sense yeah. that you can actually predict that it, you know th things will not happen. Fifty percent um, chance of them showing up, stuff like that. Correct. Yeah, and, yeah. and that, you, you just got to cater for that. Um, but but when it's a regular regular cadence, you can't do it because otherwise you know, you're going to be caught short or you'd have to do all the talking yourself and all this stuff, which is you know difficult to do. So, so yeah, timekeeping's all right. No issue with it. You know, even though just in time has gone out of fashion post COVID, um, we've been pretty rock solid. So, so yeah, all good. Anyway, welcome everybody to Brain Food Live on Air. It's episode 178. Um, uh, bringing it to you every Friday, no fail. Delighted to, to, to see everyone here um, and really excited to have this topic. This is a topic, again, which I don't have a huge amount of experience or knowledge on, but they're always the best ones because they're going to educate me and I think educate Adam also in terms of what it's all about. It's going to be about from talent intelligence to talent acquisition, uh, meaning um, how do we move talent intelligence away from it being just a reporting kind of tool um, or a reporting function to the point where it's actually baked into how we do talent acquisition at every level of decision-making. Um, so this is going to be a really exciting conversation. Uh, we've got Jeremy Thornton, who I think is here, um, and he's going to be joining us in uh, in due course uh, with this, uh, kind of a special, it's going to be a deep dive case study um, where we're going to dive in and figure out from his experience what he's had to implement. Um, yeah, Adam, on your side, I would say you're freezing a little bit and uh, kind of in and out. So if you can get a better network, that even better. Um, all right, listen, a few sound checks. Obviously, we're having some problems ourselves. Um, so it's worth us kind of just checking whether everyone can hear me okay. Um, can uh, everyone in Crowdcast who's listening to this, if you're able to hear me and see me without any problems, let me know on the chat there. Uh, we should be live streaming this onto my personal LinkedIn. So if you can hear or see me on LinkedIn where it's set up as a LinkedIn live event, please do let me know uh, whether you can hear me okay. Adam obviously is going to have to bounce off. We can't, we can't actually get him back on screen. So maybe, uh, maybe this is a wider problem than than otherwise we might think. But uh, but no, I think people can hear me okay. Seems to be fine. Um, I'm getting a few people. Thank you, Gavin, in LinkedIn. Everyone can hear me okay. Adam, I don't know what you can do to fiddle with it. Maybe go to 4G or something. Um, but um, but yeah, you look solid now. So say something. Um, yeah, I'm I'm hearing back. Yeah, that looks all right. Um, yeah. so all good, all good. All right. Quick word to our sponsors. As always, folks, we cannot run this show without our sponsors. So please take a moment and check and check them out. Um, every week they're stepping up to support this show. Um, this week it's our good friends from Denmark. It is platypus.io. Um, if you haven't heard of platypus number one, they're named after an awesome creature. Do check them out, they're an amazing animal. Uh, also got a great name, great logo, great concept. It's all about trying to figure out cultural fit to team uh, rather than do anything broader, like trying to match people to values and all this type of stuff, which is so kind of at a level of abstraction, I think can be very different and, and uh, uh, less relevant when you're hiring for people, particularly that suit your particular team. So check them out, platypus.io. Um, they are our sponsors this week. Um, okay, let's get on with the show. Um, I think Jeremy is with us, so let's bring him on. Uh, we'll have a chat with him. And I know this came about through your conversations with uh, Jeremy. Um, so I'll be very interested to uh, to dive in and get a little bit of a peek of this. Um, I think it might be Jeremy's debut on this show, actually, which is really cool. By the way, folks, let me know uh, in sort of chat yourself, in, in the chat stream, 
whether you have got any experience of talent intelligence. Like, what does that mean to you? Is that something, uh, a term that makes any sense? We actually have a poll on Crowdcast here. So go ahead and vote. Uh, let me know where the distribution is there. Um, and if you're on LinkedIn, you know anything or you don't about talent intelligence, what are your thoughts? You know, is this something that you're keen to explore? Heard about? Not quite sure what it's all about. Um, or is it something actually, yeah, we've been doing that for ages. So all good. Um, so I've got something quite important, I think, to add to this and um, at the beginning. And that is, I, I, I don't think what we're talking about here is talent intelligence. So like, people that analytics? It, it, it's about data. It's about data and analytics um, that you can generate from your talent acquisition d- data. So I think like we've got the master of talent intelligence here, the godfather of talent intelligence in the chat, Toby. It's not about his talent intelligence. It's not about like, right, so we've got to hire 50,000 more underwater basket weavers. And what we find out is actually there's loads of those in New York City and we should and actually we should buy companies that are based there. So that's not like the 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 like pure definition of talent intelligence is that type of stuff. So when you see these companies go, yeah, we're talent intelligence uh, software providers, they're not, they're data analytics and stuff like that. So I'm going with like Toby's version of talent an- analytics is something quite specific. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I agree. I agree. Talking- I'm going. I'm going with Toby's as well. I think it is very specific. Um, but it may be that Jeremy has got a more expansive situation there. I mean, let's figure out what he's done with it. Um, and the, the, the division I've got is basically talent intelligence is external. Uh, so anal- analyzing the intelligence of the skills outside of your company. Um, maybe inside your company, if you think about internal mobility and all that type of stuff as well. Um, whereas people analytics is more about monitoring what's happening within your business specifically. Um, uh, and, uh, but yeah, let's see, let's see whether we, we do understand these terms. They could be in and out. They could be randomly and differently. Um, Jeremy, um, I think he's trying to accept. Um, so we can't get him on as of yet. Toby, you might actually have to drop in and give us your verdict. Um, so, uh, so it could be one of those. Um, and in fact, it, it, Toby did volunteer to come on. Um, and I did say to him, you know what, mate, uh, make sure your webcam's on and ready to go. Um, so I might well bring Toby on as well, um, as you know, he is the godfather, so to speak. Um, whilst, um, Jeremy, whilst, are you uh, there? Jeremy, Jeremy's, he's, he a, he's actually, he's actually phoned, he's actually phoned me. He was phoning me a couple of minutes ago. I've got no idea whether he's, let me, let me, let me just respond. He, he, he is there. He, he's tried to respond. He's trying to accept. Um, and we'll see what happens. I mean, basically, um, He's just got to click accept on the modal, Jeremy. If you can, if you can hear, if you can see that, um, basically a pop up on your screen, and, and now you go. There he is, Toby. Toby. You, and you know, Toby's not intended to be because he's clearly just like got, got out under the duvet. No, he did that um, here. He did that here just in case he was coming what, on camera, right? What what is ha- what is happening with that barnet, Toby? Uh, I mean, Jesus. Oh, no, I need a haircut. I had someone turn around to me yesterday saying. I'm really sorry. Is it a really early morning call for you? And I was like, no, I'm UK based. And they're like, sorry, I thought you just got out of bed. (laughs) First time I ever met this person. Internal call. Awesome. Do you know, I reckon that's how you should do it. You should set your standards really low um, so that any, you know, anything above, anything above will be just everyone's It's all win. That's it. Toby's really made the effort. He's brushed his teeth today, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was promising the oh. camera. Uh, you just saw no it. Camera. I, 
Nate, cameras on, cameras on. Um, anyway, Toby, um, sort of let's start with sort of definitions. I mean, is it important to have tight definitions here so we know what we're talking about? Uh, where do you sit on it? You actually wrote a book called Talent Intelligence that's just been out, so make sure you can check that out, folks. Feel free to share that link into the chat stream, by the way. But how do you, how have you treated the terminology and the discipline? How have you dealt with that? Yeah, so, oh, look, Jeremy's here now. I can, I can chip off. He's got much nicer hair than me as well. Look at his hair. His hair's so beautiful. <laughs> Toby, jeez, this is I awful. Think, I, think, I, think, I don't think want Jeremy that comparison. Must... Jer Jeremy took his time to make sure he had his, si his side sorted out before he came on, to, uh, uh, on screen, which I'm I just... totally understand. I'm just going to keep quiet here whilst you, t whilst you three just take chunks out of each other. So, yeah. Just no, no. All right. Nice. Listen, as we're all, all right. on screen, we might as well stay on screen. So, let's do some intros for people who don't know. So, um, why don't we go actually go with you first, uh, Jeremy. Who are you? What it is you do, sir? So, uh, I'm Jeremy. I'm currently at City, uh, the, uh, the bank. Join them looking after all of their EMEA uh, data, talent acquisition data and reporting. And have recently picked up a global global project uh, across uh, to deliver it across 256 countries, I think. Prior to that, 20 odd years in recruitment, uh, been on the vendor side, and yeah, in the last uh, last two years, swapped over to the uh, the other side. Yeah, very exciting. And Jeremy, I don't think we've actually had a proper conversation since you moved to City. So very exciting for me to get your update on this. And it sounds like you've got yourself a proper chunky role there, which is very, very exciting to hear. Um, okay, Toby, um, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Yeah, I'll introduce myself Then feel free to throw me off because you're here to talk to Jeremy, not me. Um, so <laughs> I lead talent intelligence for Amazon Worldwide Amazon Stores, which is essentially everything you buy from us through to how it ends up at your door, um, except for the hourly workers. So I don't do the million plus army of individuals, um, but yeah, we, we do everything from uh, your e-commerce stuff, so Amazon.com, through to the retail side of the business, through to robotics, logistics, warehousing. Um, so yeah, we, we cover quite a few uh different areas different job functions different job families different locations um yeah that's what i do that's amazing and again this is like i i think one of the things immediately that we know maybe this is sample bias from the two gents that we have on screen but it, it is a, a kind of discipline that suits the scale um it's at the scale where it makes most sense no. you don't think no. so 100 percent. Oh, all right i've been, contra it, I've been contradicted it, it, really, really, let's hear it then <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I don't know. When someone like Toby talks, we listen. Let's, <laughs> right. let's, let's hear it, Tom. This will be the last thing I say because this is about Jeremy, not me. Um, if, I, if Amazon, for argument's sake, or, or City put a thousand developers in the wrong site, the wrong location, and it goes horribly wrong, it's toxic, and that R&D center fails, they're going to survive. It'll be painful, but they're going to survive. If you're a small tech startup, and you put 10 people in the wrong location, you could collapse. So the, the smaller you are, the more important every single hire is. So you need to get mm -hmm. the TI in at an earlier stage, because if your comp's wrong, if your branding's wrong, if your persona or intelligence is wrong, if your location strategy is wrong, if your org design's wrong, whatever it is, every single time, it makes a huge, huge difference. So although you'll see it more in bigger companies, because they've got the economies of scale to start looking at this stuff more, um, ironically, the smaller you are, the more important this is. 
That's very interesting. Jeremy, you were, you were nodding your head um, in agreement with Toby as contradiction on me. So, so can you get your, get your observation on, on the relevancy of TI when it comes to scale? I mean, you're, basically, you seem to agree that earlier the better, no matter what scale you're at. From personal experience, when I set up my business, we set up our business uh, 15, 20 years ago in Hertfordshire. And I wish I wish we'd, we'd looked at talent intelligence because we set it up in a location where we found out very quickly we were we were fighting with talent that wanted to work in central London. Uh, it was easy for talent to get in central London. So, yeah, for us as a small business, that had a major, major impact impact on us. On the flip side, when we did move to London, uh, we uh, we were impacted in other unexpected ways. So I think that whole talent intelligence, that really understanding the true dynamics of the workforce, understanding the drivers, understanding where the of talent sit is critical. And as a small business, most small businesses are looking at their, uh, you know, they're look, looking to survive in the early days. They're looking to grow, they're looking to survive uh, and cash flow can be really, really tight. And as Toby alluded to, at City or at Amazon, you know, if we put a thousand seats in the wrong place and it doesn't work out, the project gets put on hold and yeah share price might take a you know my, my new little uh my new little hit but it's not the same as the impact it would have on a smaller on a smaller business yeah i totally get it so folks that's the first that's uh, kind of I, I don't know whether anybody had previously shared my misconception on this um uh, but th there's the first lesson to learn um essentially ti is uh, at irrelevance no matter what the scale of your business and maybe even more so the smaller you are because essentially every hire at that point is a bigger percentage of your overall organization you know if you if you're a 150,000 person business getting it 50 people wrong is like okay not something you want to do but it's still a, a drop in that sort of human capital ocean so to speak um but if you're a 10 person business you hire two people wrong you know what that's 20 percent of your business um and that's mega mega relevant uh so very interesting uh to hear uh that type of commentary um well done plugging the the book toby how are the sales going by the way if you don't mind me asking i mean i've been out just a couple of weeks no i'm getting on with it you know i did i have no idea Apparently, we only find out every six months. They do some kind of audit thing for uh, royalties and stuff. But um, yeah, on a day-to-day, -day, nothing really tracks how many. I can see how I go on like Amazon top bestsellers and all that malarkey. Um, but I think it's doing all right. I think it's doing all right. Um, Are your kids you not know, counting? I mean, there's a big box in the Wendy house, is there not? Are your kids <laughs> not counting how many envelopes they're stuffing? No, they're, they're just enjoying stacking them all up and using them as a climbing frame. We've got hundreds of copies out there. <laughs> Do you know what's interesting here? Like, it must be very frustrating for someone who's working in data to not have any visibility of any type for something like this. Um, and it's, I've raised it once or twice. It goes one further, right? It's not only someone in data who doesn't have visibility of data, but they're working for the company that <laughs> can give them the data and the visibility of the data they want. And they're in their, their data visual app. Yeah, I mean, uh, this, yeah. It's this the lack of dog food being eaten here is very clear. Um, but it, it's crazy that well, you don't know the until is, the money comes in. Yeah, it's like a hundred percent. I raised the question: How do we know how many we've got? Because the initial run on books is like five hundred books is the initial run. I was like, how do we know how many we've got left if we don't know how many we've sold? I, I haven't got a reply to that yet um, because it's most good. of it's not through Amazon; it's through uh, the, the publishers directly. But I don't know. I think so, it's doing all right. It's weird. 
very strange. I mean, it's obviously ripe for disruption in some way um, because it's clear that people, there's a lot of like fetching and carrying within traditional publishing, which is where Kogan Page, obviously a very uh, reputable traditional publisher, um, but there's massive gaps in terms of where the information is, which is is kind of unreasonable at this day and age. Because um, that affects like what you're meant to do. If you, if you, if it, if it's not going as well as you think, then yeah, you can amp up the marketing, you know, and push it a bit. But if you have no visibility, what's the motivation to do that? It's like crazy. Um, anyway, um, listen Almost to ties me. into um, recruitment marketing and recruitment marketing intelligence as well. <laughs> Which Jeremy knows G way more than me about. I suspect, G I suspect J.K. Rowling's got a slightly different setup, though. To be honest, <laughs> she probably doesn't. I think she's traditional publisher. Um, but one one of the things that's really some of the the newer ways to getting books out, which is obviously vanity publishing, we did before. But there's a, there's there's products like Gumroad, which apparently is the 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 DIY version of getting your book out. Um, and I know a few people have done it, self-published on Gumroad. They've, they've done well in the sense they've made more money, I think, than they would have done traditional publishing. Um, but they've tracked it as well. Like you can just track how fast it's going or not, which is, I think, critical for how it needs to go in future. So, uh, so yeah, anyway. Um, listen, Toby, I, I'm not sure whether you want to hang around or whether you want to go and take a nap or something, but um, <laughs> we're going to... I'll still be in the chat, but throw me off so you can have a proper chat with Jeremy without me disrupting. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll kick you off now. And uh, listen, we might need to bring you back in for, for additional insight, but uh, you go and have a lie down, mate. Um, and uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> get back under the duvet. All right, cool. Uh, great, great to see Toby on. By the way, that was the original purpose of Brentford Live was to actually ran bring randoms on. Um, so if anybody fancies coming on screen, just raise your hat. Uh, just say so on the uh, on chat there, and we'll bring you on. Um, anyway, Jeremy, let's 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 focus on you, um, and let's uh, let's let's have a look at these projects that you've been involved in. Can you give us? Can you rewind the clock for us and give us the day one sort of brief, like when they were talking to you about this particular project or even this particular role? What was the objective? What was the situation then, and and what did they want you to do? So it was it was quite interesting. Uh, I was I I've known Steve, who was heading up a mere talent acquisition at City uh, for many years. I mean, I've known him sort of 15, 20 years. I've placed him three or four times in the past when when I uh, ran Oasis HR. Uh, so he called me up saying uh, he, we basically need to right size uh, the function. That was pretty much about the brief I got. I mean, I knew Steve, I liked Steve, and I was thinking, well, from my perspective, if you're going to go and do reporting, you want to go and do reporting, ideally, in a, you know, a large organisation. I wanted to do something different. I'd never worked in financial services. I'd always wondered what was what would it be like to sit on one of those floors in Canary Wharf with 200 other people? You know, are you just another little, you know, how do you fit in? How does it all work? My only experience of corporate life before going to City was I did a six month, uh, six months of comment at, uh, at booking.com. Similar. Uh, I knew Katrina over there, Katrina Hutchinson, Kevin, and they approached me. Uh, funnily enough, actually, I've, in my career to date, I've never yet managed to successfully apply for a job. Every job I've been, I just, one day, one day maybe I will go through the interview process and be, uh, you know, get a job. Uh, but so I, I, I joined I joined City and the basic brief was what we have, we know isn't fit for purpose. Uh, can you help uh, you know, progress within the first few weeks of joining the person who was delivering the operational recruitment? Suddenly I was made aware he was going off on secondment. So literally it was a hiring a team, 
getting business business as usual, getting some continuity in place. Literally was the uh, the first sprint that we uh, that we did. Whilst in the background, started to look at the longer term strategy in terms of what does the business need, what you know, what, what yeah. is this core strategy, and how can we how can we support that with data. Let, let me let me roll it back to the point you made about right sizing. So that tells me about getting the right numbers of people, or the right volume of, of human uh, person power, if, if you want to call it that, um, applied to the requirement of the business. Um, what, what did that mean? Cutting staff? I mean, is that just a long about way of saying we need to be smaller, or you know? No, so, the... so quite the opposite. Actually, City are going through a major transformation. Uh, they are their hiring numbers are for the last two years have just been growing and growing and growing. So uh, the City to put some uh, context in place. Until three years ago, City outsourced. They were hundred percent outsourced. So they've got a very embryonic TA function. It's been built, uh, the, you know, the Steve managed the fantastic transition across from uh, from the, uh, the RPO provider. We now have the direct team in place, but the key the key driver during that transformation period was to ensure minimal disruptions in business. So that's why the focus was on getting getting recruiters in, getting the bums on the seats, getting get getting the uh, the handle turning. Then what happened was uh, during during COVID actually was the uh, prior to and during COVID was the majority of the market was slowing down. City was significantly ramping up. So then we've been going through a right sizing project. Now with all of that happening, what uh, that that's where the key focus was, right? The key, uh, the key focus wasn't necessarily on reporting the analytics and everything everything else. So my job when I uh, when I came on board was to help put some of the uh, the basics in place and the way that the way the city uh, historically ran their reporting didn't enable them to analyze, interrogate, and digest the large complex data sets that we uh, that we have in a way where we can take meaningful uh, operational uh, uh, direction moving forward. It's great. They had lots of big numbers, right? Loads of big numbers at a global level or a regional level, but we're, you know, in EMEA, we're across 57 countries globally, five, uh, 256, I think, off the top of my head. And to put scale, in, scale into, to give you an idea of scale, last month we did 10,000 hires in a month. So, yeah, it's a big old machine. So, uh, yeah, it's just trying to uh, put some governance around how we how we get our data, how we manage our data, how we distribute our data, and the format that we do that. Um, all of it sounds really interesting. I mean, I totally understand why you were attracted to take on this particular role, Jeremy. It sounds like one of those quite rare opportunities, really, um, to, to get stuck in, uh, particularly when there was a transition from uh, outsourced provider and which probably had their own way of working and, you know, uh, and then bringing the function in-house and then using that sort of a moment uh, to simultaneously become a much more data orientated business uh, <laughs> function, should I say, within TA. Um, what sort of things did you implement um, in order to get there? I mean, can you take us through like, you know, when when that particular part of the project started, um, what what kind of, what was the first 90 days looking like when you were pulling all that stuff together? I mean, in fairness, the first 90 days was me trying to get my head around business. I mean, the scale of it, uh, 
the also it's a sector that I've never I've never worked in. So you know I call it city speak. They have these literally you can walk in there and people talk in. It seems that it's a virtual foreign language. All the acronyms and everything else. Uh, so it was it was it was understanding that it was then trying to get an understanding of what was what was historically delivered. So what historical reports did we have? How were they built? How were they managed? Uh, we found that they were running through, you know, a number of old, really old, uh, you know, databases, really old tech, uh, where any any change in terms of the data format caused, you know, multiple things to fall over. So it was really understanding what is the current, uh, what is the current uh, environment like. What I didn't have time to do at City was I didn't have time to what I would describe as putting that sort of business partnering stage, which is go out to the business, understand what's the business want, how you know how what does the business and function want, how are we currently evidencing our success, how are we currently using data to influence the businesses, uh, how the business thinks, how are we currently aligned to strategy. So it was quite interesting. I, I skipped that out and basically I built based upon my knowledge having you know been building these systems for the last you know six eight years what i thought was fit for purpose as a starting point so at least we had that datum that we could then we which we can now start to refer to which is we have this where you know we can now start to look and plan a proper dev journey moving uh, moving moving forward now that we have provided the the the, the basic data in in a in the right format to quell everything to quell everything down and get to a, a business as normal uh, sort of cadence. What what did that involve? That like involved just like collecting the information or collecting the data from these I disparate mean, systems and ingesting yeah, long, it into a single. Da- yeah, long, long story short, we built a uh, we built a system in Power BI. Uh, we have Workday as our uh, as our backend, so we take the data out of Workday that goes into Power BI. Uh, number of different reports, number of different elements. Uh, I won't bore you with them all. Uh, and then from Power BI, we built in there uh, the key the key dashboards to look at where we are from a uh, you know day to day basis. And we built it so that we can drill down to individual individual rep, individual candidate candidate level. Because what's really interesting about City is you've got a the scale, b you've got the regulatory uh, the regulatory uh, complexity. Uh, then over the top of that, we've got the fact that we have, for example, one business area might be operating across 15, 20 different, different countries. So then when you start to dial all of those into, uh, into account, it makes it really interesting in terms of how they need to be able to cut that, cut that data and analyze that data. And then on the flip side as well, we obviously have to deliver centralized data up to global because we are a, we're a global function. So we, so City has, you know, major hubs in in North America, APAC, Europe, Mexico, uh, and uh, and a few other a few other uh, areas. So it's 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 sort of quite an interesting matrixed matrixed environment. So what I'd like to find out about is because you can't go in. I mean, you you know, you can't go into like lots of details because obviously there's a lot of uh, confidential stuff that you're dealing with here. Now. What from not specifically the job that you've been doing with City, but generally from your experience in running resourcing insights and working in booking and working in City and you know, that combined experience, what are all of the big wins that a TA team can get 
from analyzing the data in the way that you go about doing it, what are, what are, what are, what are the main wins in your, in, in your view? So I think talent acquisition and HR historically are not very good at evidencing their success. We do a great job, right? I mean, you look at, you look at talent acquisition, then you start to look at the impact that talent acquisition and HR has on a business's bottom line. CEOs talk about, you know, people being their most uh, important asset. You talk to finance, people are their most expensive resource. But there seems to be uh, a bit of a, well, lots of, uh, lots of smoke and mirrors. So really, I think the key thing is to understand what's the key business strategy and how can we evidence that our strategy is aligned to the business strategy and this is the success that we are having. And then also, I think it's about producing uh, consistent data, consistent data from a golden source, visualized in a consistent manner, no matter whether, whether in city I'm looking at a slice of one of our shared service centers in Alston in Poland, or I'm looking at, at uh, our AMIR operation as a whole. The same data, the same visualizations, so that there is a consistency. So when the business see TA data, they're not having to try and translate what does this mean? We start to talk the same language and we start to talk in their language and then doing that in partnership with uh, with HR, with, uh, I suppose, in most organisations, they'll be the HR business partners to make sure that they have the evidence. Because as we all know, I say that uh, what I always say to everyone in TA is uh, TA is a mix of uh, mix of three things. It's a mixture of discussion, debate and therapy. So we have lots of great discussions. We have lots of great debates, but there is the therapy aspect. And the therapy aspect is that if you speak to most TA professionals, they will acknowledge that we all appreciate that, you know, hiring managers, they're better recruiters than we are. Recruitment's really easy. We are literally blessed to do their recruitment for them and they can do it better than us. So that's that's your starting point, right? All your hiring managers think they're the best recruiters. So actually evidencing that this is what we do, this is why we're doing it, and this is the effect, and this is the benefit that it has on you, Mr. Hiring Manager, and this is how it's going to help you achieve your objectives ultimately your bonus your and help you create uh, progress your career once you put it in that light uh an example i always remember is a really good friend of mine worked worked in uh, a lot of the major law companies and she said the challenge you have working in a law company is you are you're dealing with lawyers and they're paid to argue for it for a uh, for a living so you're never gonna you're never gonna influence them by by trying to talk you know talk to them they, they, they've made their mind up However, what they're all focused on is their billable hours. They all have a target of how many billable hours they have to deliver each, uh, each, uh, each, 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 each month. Soon as you relate talent acquisition in a law company to billable hours, if TA do this, you get an increase in your billable hours of X, Y, Z. Suddenly the penny drops, and they understand. And it's getting that it's getting that link up. It's that influence uh, and building those partnerships. That's really, really interesting, Jeremy. And uh, and and Stephen, I don't, I don't think that's fair. It's a lot of sucking up. I don't think this is sucking up. Um, I think what this is is using your term, Jeremy, which I really like, is the evidencing the work. Um, and I remember this as almost like selling the pain, quote unquote. Um, you know, when you go, I remember a very early trainer I had in agency world was that look, you can't just go and deliver the candidate. You actually have to basically sell the pain that you've gone through to get to that point. In other words, 
how what did you do to activate these candidates how many people did you connect with how many conversations did you have how many did that translate into an interview how many interviews did you conduct before you got to a shortlist then you present the shortlist so you sell the work before you deliver the, the outcome um and uh, and and uh, i guess i mean that if you scale that out to a company-wide perspective i guess is that what you mean by evidencing uh the the, the activity yeah so what i've done a lot in the past haven't done this at city because city i haven't reached the sort of level of maturity where where we're ready for it but in the past it's starting to relate the impact of ta on the business's bottom line ultimately how much it costing a business to have an empty seat if you can you know if, if you you take the very i mean very simplistic way of looking at it is you take the uh the annual the annual revenue of an organization take a take take their last published published number divide that by employees and you get uh, average uh, revenue per employee divide that by 220 for working days and that's basically the revenue that each employee delivers per day now a lot of people will say well in some companies you've got high revenue generators and you've got people who don't get revenue gen generate and i said exactly but the high revenue generators they cannot operate without the non revenue generators if there's not a marketing function finance function hr function looking after your 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 sales guys guess what they're not going to sell if they've got no it they can't sell so you can work out your uh, your uh, how much it's costing per day to have a uh, to, to have that empty seat you then multiply that across x thousand uh, requisitions you then take that to finance and say to finance, and I've done this many times, look, we have a very, very basic model. And I know that you'll help us to better align this to, to XYZ, to XYZ business, right? You get, you get them on the journey. What the outcome of that is, is that you've then got, this is a joint TA and finance project. And it's in, in a lot of organizations, you throw in the word finance and suddenly guess what? People pay attention. Also, this way you get to a number that's big enough. Finance in most organizations don't care about TA because it's minus 10. TA, you know, operational, the operational uh, cost of TA is tiny. It doesn't even, it doesn't even, you know, make the, make, make, make you know, there's not even a line for it in their, uh, in, the, in their, in their, uh, their accounts. However, when you start to look, uh, look at the, uh, the human capital cost of having those empty seats, suddenly you're saying to them, right, basically this is, if you if you increase or decrease your time to hire by this amount of time, it's going to put an extra two, three, four percent on our revenue, our annual revenue. Suddenly they're like, OK, now I'm listening. And it's it, it, you, you've got to build those relationships. You've got to align yourself into those people's worlds and let them and an evidence to them that what you are doing is, is beneficial to everyone. It's not just yet another you know, yet, yet another flash in the plan or yet another, you know, great idea. And we, we hear thousands of them, but nothing ever, nothing ever lands. And it's having that and being able to back that up with actual data. That for me is the key, uh, the key, uh, the key part. All right. So a couple of things that's worth uh, touching on here, Jeremy, which I really like. The first thing to do is to develop a very, very rough, unfinished basic model um, that you can bring um, to the financial department, the CFO or whoever it is that's on top of this. And then that person will help you mold the next version of this, which is the real thing. Um, yeah. So the wrong thing to do would be to go away, develop your own model, completely sophisticated, and then present something that is just 
too tough to digest for the uh, the FD, or they haven't had the chance to, to, to get involved themselves, and you already kind of create a friction in relationship because they haven't contributed to it. What you want to do basically is present almost an unfinished bit of work um, that invites them to contribute fully with it. Um, and as you say, here's a rough here's a rough kind of model. What we need you to do, Mrs. or Mr. Uh, financial expert, uh, is to align it with the business need, and together you bring it on, and it's a joint. Then it's a joint proposition yeah. to the rest it, of the business. Ideally, you want them to think they're coming up with all the ideas. Because if it's yeah. their idea, guess what? It gets even. It gets accelerated even, gets uh, even faster. Yeah. But yeah, and it's not just it's not just finance, right? I mean, that's just that's just the first the first part of it. But then it's marketing. So actually, you know, you can then go to the marketing function or the sales function, and start to evidence. I mean, sales is the easiest one, right? You know, because they can very quickly work out what's your average revenue per you know per sale, salesperson. I can see uh, you know I can see Adam nodding his head there because you know. About when he's you know, running sales teams, you know exactly what revenue you expect a sales uh, a sales function to, uh, to deliver. But also, I think I think TA can can learn a lot from sales as well. Sales a sales function is great at celebrating success. They are great at being able to know exactly what target they've hit, when they've hit it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think yeah, there's a, the, the, you can learn a you can learn a lot to, a lot a lot from them. I think marketing's yeah, the same ahead, though, because because you can. I mean, the chief marketing officer's got um. MQL target. They've got a pipeline target. They've got a clicks target. They've got so marketing back in the day might have not been so easy to measure, but it's just as easy to measure as sales today. Yeah, I mean, I think in in most businesses, right, in the digital age we're in, the cha- the challenge then becomes you have too much data, right? You've got all this data, and unless you have a coherent strategy in place, and you have built in the uh, the agility to manage this data. Because what you don't want to do is suddenly turn this massive data tap on, right? And flood the business with data because you'll just end up with, I call it the magpie effect. People see something shiny, they head off in that direction. Something else shiny, they head off in that direction. Something else. It's, it's what you see lots of, uh, and having sat on the other side of the fence, it's what I've seen lots of startups do. You know, they come up with one idea and go that, then someone says that. So they totally change their business models, try and win that customer over there. And they change their business model, try and win another customer over there. I think as a TA function, you need to have a coherent strategy, and you need that strategy needs to uh, have in, have the resilience in it, so that when data does come to light, you know what data you're going to action, or else what happens is you just end up with a longer, longer, you know, a longer list of things to do, and you get stretched. So it's keeping that it's keeping that laser laser focus. Let's talk about the laser focus because I think mm-hmm. the old metrics that we always used to have in TA, um, you know, we all know what they are and, and I'm not saying that they're irrelevant and whatnot, um, uh, but it might be this, we're due for a refresh or we need to rethink exactly, you know, what sorts of numbers we need to be looking at in order to drive the right behaviors within our function. Um, but at the same time, be able to use that information to interact more effectively with the rest of the business. Um, on brain food on, on the newsletter, almost always, whenever I, I send a post that says, Hey, here are the HR KPIs you need to care about. That always gets like a thousand clicks because everyone's like s- desperate for this information. So can you volunteer for us some KPIs that you think should be in there for a TA team? Um, I mean, are there things that you think, you know what, why is this not okay. standard? Yeah. For me, there's only three KPIs, cost, time, and quality. And so the business needs to decide which of those they want to focus on. You can choose two out of three generally. So from a KPI perspective, 
everyone is always trying to come up with a new KPR. And I, I did smile because I saw uh, Adam put a little note in there for Danny about the uh, empty chair time, right? You can reinvent the wheel. Empty chair time is time to hire, no matter how you dress it up, right? The key thing is how are you influencing the revenue? That's what the CEO cares about. He cares about the revenue, he cares about the share price. So I think that the the key the key thing is to stay to stay focused on on the metrics and have have a few because the challenge are you've got busy operational recruiters who are probably doing a fantastic job filling reps right they're pulling uh, unicorns out of the hat left right and center they don't have time in the day to go right how am I tracking against this how am I tracking against that how am I tracking against that? we need to lift that away from them we need to lift that away and we need to give them clear direction of each 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 recruiter we need to have a look at that recruiter as an individual within a business area and say to that recruiter, look, we can look at your data and we can see this is the area that we think you will benefit from focusing on at this point in time. And that might change, right? You might have a recruiter where you might turn around to one month and actually, can we speed things up? The next month, it might be actually, we need to slow things down because we're not, you know, we are, we're potentially uh, not, uh, not ensuring we've got the right quality. So I think it's, it's about having the right metric at the right time for the right person in the right place rather than these sort of, broad brush this is what it's all about but overarching ta don't need to decide what their key metric is their key metric is is already decided for them in the in the business strategy is the business going to yeah. Yeah. is the business looking to move from a high volume to high quality is the business looking to transition its its uh, its you know business from a traditional retail seller into a e-commerce company is it looking to move from, you know, like Philip Morris, a traditional man, uh, cigarette manufacturer, which was a very, very simple process, to e-cigarettes, e where they are now, uh, you know, developing tech, developing electronics. Consumer electronics. Exactly. So that it's that piece that dictates it. What I, th I think where where a lot of where a lot of TA uh, analytics and data functions fall over is they come in and try and dictate. We know this will work. This is the magic recipe. It's having that uh, that ability to really partner with the business, partner with the stakeholders, build those you know, build those relationships, and understand what 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 they need and who who can take you on that journey with them, rather than trying to take them on that journey. Brilliant. Jeremy, um, so Jeremy, before before we get to Sophie's question, we will get there. Um, um, I just wanted to firstly address uh, if you do have any questions, try and put them into the ask a question section at the bottom of the screen because we're going to get to those at the end. Uh, otherwise, we might get it lost within the chat stream. So that's going to be something that's useful for the folks that have asked questions in uh, LinkedIn. I do see them. So Gavin, we'll get to you and Matt will get to you as well um uh will absolutely uh, uh uh respond to those so if you're on linkedin just comment and we'll get to those questions however we always use this opportunity to take a mini break uh the reason for this is that it's very important for me that brain food live is a conversation starting show uh, we start a conversation we should never be the bottleneck for it however we do have to come off air which is about 15 minutes time um so if you're interested in this type of conversation you want to continue it now is the time where you should actually go ahead and connect with people and also share that interest. So take a moment, grab your LinkedIn profile and stick it in the chat stream as Adam just done there. If you're on LinkedIn itself, click, uh, get your LinkedIn profile and stick it in a comment thread and then connect to everyone else who has done that. 
Um, best case scenario, you walk away 20, 30, 40 uh, new contacts that care about this topic. And then guess what? You can go ahead and talk about that off offline um, when we have to come off air. So make sure you go ahead and do that. Um, and uh, and so that we don't be be that bottleneck. Um, okay, um, quick question for, we're going to get to you, Sophie, don't worry. A question for you about lifting the effort away from the operational recruiter. I absolutely get that, Jeremy. I think the, the, where the data gets corrupted is when you're asking the rec busy recruiters to, to, to be administrators and data entry people. Um, you know, if you're asking a busy recruiter, say, hey, listen, have you filled in, have you updated the database? Um, guess what? You, they're going to start putting in crap into the system just to get rid of that little thing because they're busy doing something else. How do you lift the effort away? Just, just on that point, I'm very clear with any recruiter. You are judged on the data that you put into the system. At the end of the year, when you sit down with your manager, it's the data in the system that we're going to judge you on, right? So if you don't put the data in there and you put any crap in there, guess what? Crap in, crap out, yeah? Don't expect to walk into your annual review and have a glowing annual review if you haven't put system in data because we can't measure you. We, we, you know, this is a, you know, this is this is a pen, not a wand, right? I can't magic up and understand what you do. You need to evidence it. And that's the advantage of the right analytics where the recruiter and the manager prior to that end of month review are both on the same page. They've both got the same data. Obviously, the, the, there's, there's context behind that that I won't know across all of the recruiters, but that, that's my answer to that, to, to, that, to, that, to that first point. Do you, yeah. is the tone you deliver this message with, look, it's going to be great for you when you fill all the information in because you're going to look good or... You're getting fired if people think that you're not doing your job. So think what I say to any organization that wants to have a data-driven TA function is employ data-driven recruiters. Recruiters get it. And what, yeah, putting data into a system is part of a recruiter's job. Doing admin, it's part of a recruiter's job. Uh, you know, chasing up line managers, it's part of a recruiter's job. If a recruiter just wants wants to do the sourcing bit, go and be a sourcer. If the recruiter just wants to be a do the uh, you know otherwise. Go and, go and do those areas. We have lots of opportunities. There are loads of opportunities within large TA functions that people can go and, and silo and focus their career. But you need to be a 360 recruiter. You need to be able to manage. You need, need to be under, you need to understand what is the proposition, right? As a function, are we offering EasyJet or are we offering uh, a Virgin Atlantic, you know, upper class service? I.e. EasyJet, we're just going to get we're going to give the managers the tools they can go and fly their own plane. Upper upper class, we're literally going to handhold. We're going to sit on sit in on every single interview. We're going to fill in every single uh, you know post interview questionnaire with, with with the manager. We're going to sit in on every single uh, you know test, etc. So I think it, it's making sure the recruiters understand what is expected of them and being really really clear about that. And if collecting data is an important part, make sure they realise that and it's, and it puts them obviously in the right the right way. And when you interview them, right? If you're going to join XYZ Company as a recruiter, you're going to join this function. We're data led. This is what we this is what we do. And most recruiters love it. They like they like data. They like yeah. being able to see: Am I doing a good job? What well, they and should. Then, yeah. No, exactly. I, I, firstly, Jeremy, I like that approach. Uh, it's very much tough love, um, and it's but it's very direct. Um, and I think it's 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 you get it right at the big at the at the entry point because what you want to be able to do is have that conversation pre-hiring these these recruiters so that they're fully aware this is the culture of recruiting within the TA team here. And if you're not that type of person, then it's not the right fit either for this role or maybe for the business. Um, well, I think well, it is okay. very well, difficult. Yeah. Or when they do join, give them the training. Make, make sure that we are training and supporting them with the training that they need to be successful in the job. 
that's true as well but i i'm i'm just re recalling now again rewinding back to ancient history there's a few folks that i remember back in my recruiter days agency wise where i know they would not be able to do this because they don't have the interest and they don't actually value it um and that would not be su a suitable recruiter for this team um and we have to be very honest with that and say look uh, this is actually a component of the job. It's a significant component of it um, because this is how we measure success, but it's also a key part of how we talk to the rest of the business. Um, and without that contribution, you know, you, you're actually going to be a drag factor for the organization, yeah, no matter think, how skillful or charismatic you are on the phone or whatever it is. I think going back to being a conversation, in a small organization, you don't need it. In a small organization, you don't necessarily need to uh, need the, the data rigor that you need in a large organization. But when you've got a large organization where you have regions rolling up to global, et cetera, et cetera, globally, they don't see what we do on a daily basis. All they see is the top line numbers. And that's what we're judged on. Yeah, I think I think you can even look at it from a, a kind of a, a kind of a room by room situation. If you could fit all of your business in a single room back in the day when we we're all in office, if you could everyone could fit in a single floor, a single room, you could probably get away with having a lighter touch data type of uh, regimen because there's a lot of information flowing simply because of the scale of the organization. But if it's a multi room, multi site, multi country scenario, no one could see anything. Um, and now with the world of being distributed, even more so do we need to be disciplined on the, the data side because, you know, this is this is going to be um, uh, uh, moving towards, trending towards where the future is, is, is going to be. Um, okay, good stuff. A couple of things that need to be addressed, uh, Jeremy. Um, you've implemented all of this, changed the culture of the organization, moved to a more data-driven way of working. Can you point to any scenarios where you can say, you know what, the business has shifted in this direction based on the data that we've been able to provide them. Um, like for instance, have you altered or been able to influence the business decision-making based on some of the work that you did? So can you give us some examples of that? Yeah, so uh, I worked in a professional service organization long, long, uh, long, long time ago. Well, not that long ago, a few years back now. Uh, one of the larger consultancies and basically off the back of what we did, they tripled the size of their TA team because for them, time tire was the key, was the key, the key driver, right? A, a consultant came on the market. They wanted to get that consultant from the beginning to the end of their process, from initial in, uh, introduction to offer as quick as possible because they knew that consultant was also probably interviewing with all their investors, right? And also they knew the, the sooner they get that consultant signed up, He's out on client site making money. So basically they had their, their recruitment function ended up being three times the size of the standard recruitment function, but their key business driver was time. And you needed that, you needed that volume to push, push people, uh, people through. There's been loads of examples of sort of Toby's world where you can look at location strategy, you know, where, you know, look at the data, time, quality, cost of hiring in one location versus another location. So you can start to influence those uh, decisions and that's a very timely uh, conversation for most people as we approach uh, approach year end. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots and uh, there's lots and lots of things. I mean, just to, I suppose, also touch on Sophie's uh, question there. Whenever you're doing this, you never get all the data in the system. You never have everyone using the system in the same way. So yeah, we, you know, you've got to look at the outliers. 
Uh, I mean, where I am right now, we have different legislation, so we can't have the same system running in the same way across all of our all of our different geographies and all of our different territories. Also, we are regularly making acquisitions, so we are regularly, uh, you know, inheriting legacy. So I don't think I've ever had the full picture, but if you can sort of, you know, look at the you know, the 80th percentile uh, and you know understand understand where you are with that generally that will put you on a good on a good uh, on a good direction of travel once you have that you can then start to look at the outliers you can start to look at the uh, you know the other other areas and how you can uh, influence influence and add, uh, add add value but yeah you'll never you'll never get consistent data however once you start giving what i found once you start giving individuals visibility of their data and they realize that actually what they enter on the system will have an impact they will start to improve the quality of what they put in it because they want they want their little dashboard to to be a correct representation of what they've done right so if you if you can show them look if you put in the right sources etc cetera, etc cetera, you will get the right output they soon start to uh, they soon start to uh, do that what people don't like is being asked can you please go and enter you know 85 data points and you have a drop down list with 47 different options well a drop down list on a database is like the wine list in a in a uh, in a, uh, in a restaurant most people will go for the second second uh, option yeah so if you want to skew your data put your put your put what you want at number 2 and you will get more hits than anyone else uh, so what I've also found generally when I go into an organization is they collect far too much data. They're going to be collecting this. And a lot of the stuff they've added to over time is because someone asked a question, oh, we can collect that. And then someone else asked a question, we can collect that. And they collect it for a reason, of, but then they don't remove it once they've achieved what they're wanting to achieve. So you have all this legacy data. So generally, I would say 60% of the data that organizations ask their recruiters to collect, they do not need. If you are only uh, reporting on whether it's someone is an agency hire, a direct hire, or a uh, internal hire, then you only need three drop downs. What you don't need is fifteen drop downs for a poor recruit to fill on on, uh, on a database uh, to uh, to put source of hire. Yeah, very good. Um, we need to move to the questions, Jeremy. I know you've already uh, sort of spoken to Sophie's there. Sophie's actually got a second component to the question, which I think is relevant, um, which you might be able to comment on also. Which is you you do have a global organization, distributed different cultures often um you know may have come from acquisitions as well so different from a corporate culture as well how do you get everyone to adopt the same standards of behavior is there a technique that you could say you could talk about there i think you just got to listen you got to spend you got to invest time right you got you got to build those relationships you got to spend time you got to listen to listen to them understand their understand their challenges and little wins just focus on the little wins uh you know if an organization you know if, if a recruiter a recruiter in a in a territory might have a massive frustration by us making a very small change. It has a big impact on them. So it's that it, it it's trying to understand where you can have you know the maximum maximum impact. But yeah, just 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 talk to them. Don't assume. Everyone assumes they know what a recruiter does. Everyone assumes they know what good looks like. Have those conversations. Yep, and there's all kinds of like local conditions which can sometimes have a dramatic impact, particularly if yeah. there's legislation issues or there's different cultural values that need to be yeah. applied and so on. Okay, we're going to go to the questions. I'm going to go to Crowdcast first, then LinkedIn. Okay, um, so let's go with Victoria Hill. Victoria is saying, uh, how would how would a senior TA specialist uh, uh, help their leader identify which KPIs? the team should be focused on. So, uh, and she's at uh, the addendum here is, I report directly to our VP of strategy, 
um, and we currently have not held uh, held to any metrics. Uh, how can she basically help her boss figure out what metrics to use? So sit down, understand uh, what are the, what are the business's key drivers. So is the business in growth mode? What you know? What what's going to have the most impact? Uh, and then translate those back through to uh, you know what, write a list of everything you everything you could measure, right? And then go through that list and say, uh, what if, what if, what do I really need this? Yes or no? And you'll soon you'll soon distill that list down to, uh, to some core to some key measures. But don't go in there with a preconception of what the outcome should be. Have an open mind. Yeah, very good. And I think the understanding of the status of the business is very important there as well. Um, uh, OK, I mean, Sophie's got so, another question. Did you see on the chat, Colin, who knows better than to put a question in the chat? Well, uh, I mean, maybe asked, we should have, no, hang on. Maybe we should apply some of the same discipline and say, look, Colin, if you're not, not answering that question, the, 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 not answering the question, this is an example. You're, you're not, you're not about. new here, Colin. Data entry needs to be correct. Put it in the right place, sir. Um, all right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's go to another question. Sophie said, um, how, how have you done anything specifically to get recruiters to change their behavior in regards to this? Um, so basically, um, can you give us like a local example where, you know, a recruiter, I wouldn't say it's been resistant, but maybe a little bit slower to get, you know, uh, get with the program. What, what, what can uh, a manager do to help that uh, person, uh, you know, step it, uh, change behavior? Give them visibility, show them, you know, just show them with the data showing this. People can't argue data, right? Data, data, if data evidence is that, you know, uh, a wall is painted white and a wall is painted white, you know, so yeah, use just just think what data can you use, but also what data can you use to evidence their success? You're doing a brilliant job because of this. We're amazed at this. You know, a development area would be this. So going with that positivity because people like it, and then ask them. People like to talk. So this is showing that. That is showing that. Why do you think? Why are you having success? People start talking about the success they're having. And then that conversation will lead into uh, lead the direction you need to uh, go to. So I think it's about lining up for success from the beginning. Yep, and I love that success orientation. So that's fantastic. And oh, we have a question from Colin. Um, Colin said, um, uh, "Do you have uh, a recruiter performance dashboard, um, and can they see it?" So in other words, are, are you recording information on your team, and do they have access to that, or is that for your own eyes? So, uh, my, eyes my, so my approach is that. Full visibility, right? Everyone has full visibility of everything. Uh, there's no, yep. or else you end up with people having little secret squirrels, uh, people worrying. Everyone has full. There are some, right? Because of regulatory requirements, there is some data that individuals cannot see. There's some confidential data that individuals cannot see. However, yeah, an individual can go into a system and see how they are, uh, see how they are, they are performing, because that adds value, right? Because that enables them to self, uh, self correct or change direction or try something, try something new. So yeah, visibility all the way. As soon as you start having the system says this, you know, the computer says no, people just switch off and uh, they'll just walk out. Yeah, and I think it can be very corrosive if there was talk of a dashboard that you don't have access to, if the team yeah. members are aware that, oh, this thing exists and that no one can see it apart from the and boss. So on, that can be on very that, never, never use one dashboard in isolation. Always have three or four because they tell the story. So never take one, uh, one point in data. Make sure there's a coherent story evidenced by a number of data points. All right, cool. We're just going to fly through this. Toby's come in. He's got out of bed again, and he's decided to ask this question. Um, do you marry any talent acquisition analytics data 
formula conversions, et cetera, with any of the data sets uh, internally or externally. So in other words, employee sentiment, glass door type of metrics, are those involved in what you do or do you think superfluous? Yeah, massively. So start at the beginning. Uh, once the business, once the function gets to a stage where you are sophisticated enough to do that, but get the basics in place first before you flood in or else you end up with loads and loads of data. But also make sure you understand that data source because there's nothing worse than using what I what I uh, describe as survey data, where people go out and they survey, you know, an organisation. What's your time to hire? And the, the, the head of recruitment's time to hire is 100 days, but he says 60 because that's what he thinks it should be. Yep, so make yep. sure you're I totally get it. Um, okay, we have one more question uh, from LinkedIn. This is from Gavin. Um, so let me just uh, ask this question. We're talking about scale again. So let's draw it back down to uh, this. I think a lot of people would, would simply be hearing you. And obviously, we're talking about the city and stuff like this uh, as mega scale. What would you recommend for a business that's motivated to do this, uh, but 10 to 20 people? Uh, maybe it's an agency, a recruitment agency, let's say, or it's a department with that type of scale. They want to get started doing something like this. How would you uh, go ahead and do that? Uh, what I'd do is I'd, I'd go and get a, a talented intern. There's some amazing talent out there. Yep. What, what some of these interns are doing in terms of within the likes of Tableau, Tibco, Click, Power BI, they can build what you need. Don't go and buy it. You, got, you can go and buy something like Salesforce, but nine times out of ten, a business of that size, if you have someone who can build that basic automation uh, and some of those, some of the talent, that early careers talent is phenomenal. Kids are, you know, kids are now coding at age of 10, right? So, yeah, use that. That's true. Um, uh, all of the analytics that you see on recruitingbrainfood.com, that's been built by my cousin who was unpaid labor uh, and he built them all in Tableau. So, Stephen, but you know, uh, I was just about to, say, is, I was about to say, please make sure you pay your interns. There's nothing worse than unpaid labor being forced to be able to do that. Sorry, not, not if they're family. That's that's his. <laughs> um so so anyway no that's good listen we'll come to the end of the show i think there's so much more to talk about on this topic we definitely need to explore maybe do a round two get toby back in and get some of the other people who've been working in ti as well i did actually speak to a lot of people it's starting to uh, like we're, we're starting to get if you like uh, a little community developing i know tony uh, toby's got an, a, a fantastic group on linkedin uh talent intelligence collective i recommend everyone join that by the way um someone pull up the the link to so, the facebook so. group and share that um because it's a really really great group because it's very focused on this space um and yeah i think we should do a round two of this and um you know, uh, get uh, get more conversations of this type going. Um, okay, that's about it. We've got to let you go. Jeremy, great to see you and fantastic to see your work. Um, you have a very good weekend, sir. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we'll see you later, man. Great to, ha great to have you. Thanks for the invitation. Enjoy it, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. How very interesting. Um, okay, folks, we're also uh, going to finish the uh, the show here. Um, we are back on Monday with ba Brain Food Bake Fresh. We've got an amazing newsletter coming out on Sunday. Um, and I need to find a way to share this with you, actually, Adam, before it actually goes live. It would be wicked if you get a, an early view if you want it. Because um, usually it's done by Saturday. Um, but it's got some really interesting sort of uh, bits of commentary. We're, we're here on 12.30 on Monday, so make sure you check that out. Uh, we're back on Brain Food Live on next Friday. We're going to be talking employer branding in a recession economy. Um, so if you're interested or thinking about that, then make sure you join that also. Um, okay, that's about it. You have a good weekend. See you all later.
That was pretty good, wouldn't it, you say, Adam? Yeah, I mean, I added, I, mainly because I added absolutely nothing. That was a good part of it. But the uh, reason I added nothing, because I, I, I was just listening. You know, I told yeah, you that was a good... I didn't anything good, either. You know, yeah, yeah. He, good guy he, to have I, on. Great, great to see him and great to... Maybe we should do some more of these case study types. I mean, you know, pick out someone who's done something interesting um, and, and just deep dive, focus on that. Uh, just to mix it up a little bit. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a risk though, the person might not, not turn up. That's, that's my, my own concern. So um anyway now, right are, listen are we are we on discord on we Monday? are but um no um because i do want to experiment with it um but i wonder whether because i think the discord limit is 25 people um and i don't think we're going to get that many people but basically i think it's just a bit too weird at this point um, maybe we use it for something else. It feels like a more private thing to try, uh, but we'll we'll do it on on Crowdcast as normal. But then you know, Discord will happen for sure. That's that's something that's going to be uh, a group. I'll, I'll find a reason to use that. Um, right. Anyway, that's it. Um, you have Cheers. a good weekend, Adam. I'll you see too. you Monday. Bye. All right. That's it, everyone. Thanks for watching.